Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a past design lead at Apple and current head of innovation at Intel on how hardware startups should plan for product business success. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Kapil Kane to the show. Kapil is the Director of Innovation at Intel and founded Intel's Internal Hardware Invention Incubator. Prior to that, he was the Product Design Lead and Manager at Apple. He's also a fellow keynote speaker. He's on two TEDx talks. Today, Kapil is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can learn from how the biggest hardware companies in the world prioritize and qualify new invention ideas. He's even going to walk through the step-by-step pillars that Intel Incubator Innovations go through to prepare their idea for market success. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Kapil. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Uh, nice to be here. Well, we're excited to have you on today to talk about both your experience being in the product development sphere in Apple, and then as well now uh, with Intel in their uh, hardware development for your internal startups, creating new and innovative products with uh, Intel Core Technology. So it's an incredible experience that you've got working for both of those companies, totally different types of design in each, but fantastic experience to relay to our emerging startups who are looking to develop their products from the idea through to production and then scaling it from there. First and foremost, mm. you've done two TEDx talks. So those are very difficult. So kudos to you for those. Thanks, man. Yeah, I yeah. know they've got like such a serious structure. It's like months to prepare and you've, you've got to, you know, do it right. Otherwise it doesn't make the cut and all this sort of stuff, right? Yeah. The, the, the TEDx Shanghai, you know, it used to be uh, run by, there used to be TEDx Shanghai women. So it's like all women's team and they were like very serious. They had coaches, they have speech coach. We had lots of dry runs. We uh, had, I think, check-ins every two weeks for a period of three months. So they really got us uh, prepared very, very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, at that time, I was almost like thinking whether, you know, I should like drop out. It's like too much time commitment, but I think uh, it helped me in the long run. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, congrats for, yeah. for pulling that off. That's, that's quite cool. <laughs> Can you give us your background before Thanks. that? I gave a bit of a brief one uh, earlier. How did you get started in this world and uh, how did you end up at uh, such an amazing position that you're in today? I grew up in India uh, in a very small province called Goa. It's like a beach town, very laid back. Uh, I happened to do my undergrad in engineering uh, in India itself. And I always like to design cars. And I've got a job in Detroit. I, I worked at Johnson Controls uh, doing interior designs like seating systems and dashboards and stuff like that. And in a couple of years, I found that to be a bit slow, that whole industry, auto, automotive industry. And I got into a master's and PhD program at Stanford in design. So I quit that job and came to the West Coast. I did two internships at Apple during the summers. And on my third, actually my second internship, we were working on this really amazing technology, which was uh, the very first multi-touch screen. And it was so exciting that I dropped out of my PhD program and, you know, carried on working at Apple. Sadly, you know, we had to kill that product in a couple of years, uh, but that turned into iPhone. And 
uh, I moved on to various things, uh, including you know designing the very uh, world's smallest MP3 player, the iPod Shuffle, and then soon moved to China to help design the MacBook Airs uh, because you know we were designing the product as well as the manufacturing process at the same time. If you guys remember, MacBook Air was you know carved out of blocks of aluminum. It was completely new uh, manufacturing technique for us. And we thought we it's better to have some designers in China making real-time decisions on design by looking at the capabilities of the manufacturing. So I volunteered to move there. And I have been in China ever since. And about uh, nine, 10 years ago, I left Apple uh, to join Intel uh, to uh, design tablets. Uh, after doing the iPad, you know, uh, everyone wanted to make tablets and Intel also wanted to make tablets. So I came in there uh, to have a bigger responsibility because at Apple, I was more mechanical product design and at Intel, uh, I could do like mechanical, electrical, software services, everything. So, uh, and then about five years ago, I co-founded this uh, uh, internal accelerator called GrowthX, where we help our employees uh, realize their ideas and find ways to uh, turn them into actual products and uh, businesses. Yeah, so that's my my story. That's amazing. So what are the differences that you see from designing great products that everybody knows today for Apple and the way that you're designing internal innovations for Intel today? I think uh, in a way, I would say it was easier to, to design stuff at uh, Apple because let's say Johnny's, uh, Johnny and his team would come up with this industrial design, right? ID. And uh, we were, it was like, we were just, we had to figure out how to turn that into an actual, like, you know, design product. And sky was the limit. So you could use any manufacturing processes you could. You could come up with the very crazy designs. Uh, so it was, <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, it was the, there was, and we never ever thought of like bomb cost. You know, we, we never thought of that as engineers or as product designers. We simply figured out how to uh, realize this idea. And of course, there's always back and forth. Um, uh, but those conversations, let's say with Johnny, right? You cannot just say, oh, I cannot do it because in the past I had done it. I don't think it's going to work. You had to always, to say like a negative thing, you had to design multiple ways and show why it wouldn't work. I have tried it now. These are the results. What do you think? You couldn't just say, oh, it's not going to work. So if you say that, it's a sure shot way to get your ass fired, you know? <laughs> um, so not by Johnny because Johnny was a super nice guy. He would, you know, he was very soft spoken. Uh, but uh, the guys, you know, uh, if you you could never get into this, uh, you should never be recognized as a guy who is not ready to, you know, jump uh, when you know uh, a challenge is uh, in front of you, right? So in a way, uh, we could. Uh, all of our uh, role was to figure out technically how to make something possible, either through design, either through manufacturing, uh, through assembly. Uh, but when I, in my current role at Intel, uh, what we do is we build very basic technologies like chips, um, uh, AI algorithms, um, different kinds of chips, you know, CPUs, GPUs, uh, like FPGAs, uh, uh, neural computing. So these are very fundamental technologies and, and there are infinite applications of these. So, and there are business units who are 
planning from top down. You know, when they say, I'm going to build this chip and, and our products need huge investment. Each fab costs $10 billion, right? So um, we, we have a lot of things, you know, uh, in, we have to plan way ahead, like, and imagine what, where our chips and technologies are going to be used like two, three years down the line. And so what we are trying to do here is that we're looking at our core technologies like these chips and trying to figure out what could be in organic areas of growth for Intel using our current, uh, let's say, uh, core technologies and do a little bit of work on top to open up completely, you know, like new markets. For example, if we use like an ASIC in network processing, can we repurpose that for, let's say, genome sequencing? And what could be the pain point it could solve? So it's a lot of experimentation. And so here you're looking at more uncertainties in business because technology, we, we are more confident, but it's the business side. Where should be the investment? What should be the market segment we should go to? What could be the product? Who could make the best benefit? So it requires a different way of, of you know, your uh, development. And here we are mostly developing business, whereas at Apple, we're doing pure product development, you know, starting with, you know, your proto builds, then design verification, engineering verification, production verification. And that part was like, you know, just like a clear process, but it was very, very innovative ways to solve technical challenges. And in my current role, it's all about business uncertainties and how do you look at your business model, look at, you know, your key assumptions. Uh, and from that, look at what are your, the most critical assumptions, which if proven wrong, your whole business falls apart. And how do you create tests to validate those businesses? So even before you start prototyping, uh, you can run tests to really figure it out if you're on the right track. And then iterate based on your market feedback. So it's like a completely two different worlds both are exciting and challenging, uh, but just requires different skills. Yeah. It sounds like your current role is very akin to what a lot of hardware startups and even uh, small established hardware manufacturers doing as they develop their new product, as they're thinking mm -hmm. about their product, because really any inventor uh, or any business that's creating their next version of a product or whatever else is thinking about how does this succeed in the market? How do I make money off this? Where is the market and can I fill it? And does my design match it? And I, let's mm. get into talking about that. But before we get into kind of the tips and tricks that you're seeing on the innovation mm. side and how to apply that to understanding the business of the product, to make sure the product actually mm. succeeds, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the value add that you saw designing for Apple. Because one of the things I heard you say, which I think is incredibly valuable for any design team or engineers out there, is looking at finding a solution, not finding a problem. And you really mm -hmm. highlighted that, and I've heard this before from a number of different uh, team members at Apple, that you're, you weren't allowed to say no. You, you mm -hmm. could say no so long as you backed it up with how you think it could be solved and a solution. Mm -hmm. And that solution-oriented thinking can be very powerful, uh, especially when you're in mechanical engineering, but really at all levels of design, industrial design, mechanical mm -hmm. engineering, electronic engineering, prototyping, production. A lot of the time, it's easier for an engineer or designer or developer to just say it can't be done as opposed to saying, well, it can't be done and here's why. 
And here's how we think we can solve that problem. And it really sounds like, Mm -hmm. and I've heard this many times over, that that was a big part of the culture at Apple and probably a reason that a lot of these things that people say couldn't couldn't be done ended up being done and ended up being very successful products for Apple. Exactly. You know, um, uh, but, but, you know, I think, uh, I think that you need to have really good vision and conviction in the product you're building. Okay. Um, and uh, you need to really believe in that, why you are building this. Right. So, and you need like a visionary leader like Steve Jobs and you need like, you know, guy like Johnny to, to, um, to envision those products and then it becomes easier for you know actually yeah, it was like a cult right at apple uh, now it's a huge <laughs> company when i was there it was like only 2000 people and steve is our leader whatever he says is true and we would all march right so i think that's the reason we could and also another thing was that you know uh, now there is like so much uh, competition in the market there's so much democratization of everything you know, so everything, so I think there are, so I think in this day and age, you need to, I think, uh, uh, be a little more uh, like an iterative, uh, be a little more uh, when you're designing things, uh, especially if you're creating like a new devices, right? Um, look at how many like completely new, I think, computing, uh, uh, let's say devices or solutions that have gone very big, right? Because let's say at the time, like what was Apple doing? Uh, laptops, desktops, uh, then came iPod, uh, then came iPhone, iPad. Uh, and since then, there has been Apple Watch, okay? And maybe the, the home pod or something, but there's nothing new then since then, okay? Since I left Apple, let's say 10 years ago. So what it says is that um, there is a lo- explosion of technologies, in the in in the, in the technology sphere, right? Like this, it, people talk about AR, VR, uh, autonomous driving, this and that. But these are all like you know tech buzzwords. But why have you not seen all these things from Apple? Um, is because you know just having technology doesn't actually make for a great product. To have a great product, you need you know three things. You know you of course need like solid technology you need the right user experience that solves a real problem for the user. And finally, you could make a business out of it. And so a lot of these things are just promises, you know, like even if you look at uh, the the AR, uh, uh, like, you know, headsets, VR headsets, they're not like flown off the shelves. Uh, So, you know, I think we still need to find out what those killer applications are. Uh, and and the, when the time will come, it will come, you know. Um, so I think um, we still need, I think that's why I think now you need to do more iterative design. Uh, because when I, you know, I was advising a, a startup which is doing uh, augmented reality glasses. And at this point, they're like, you know, trying to go too much into detail of the design. And, and I was trying to tell them, just go out, test the market. It doesn't have to be perfect. Don't try to you know, figure all small details out. The key is go fast, learn, and iterate, right? So I think uh, that's, I would say, you know, is a uh, you know, difference now. And I, I'm pretty sure Apple is iterating like crazy, you know? Just look at the, the project Apollo, uh, the autonomous driving car. It's been on and off, on and off. Uh, that talks about AR on and off. It's not easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love the fact that you mentioned 
the iterative design. It's something I'm very passionate about and something that's really important to startups. One of the things that we say, and you kind of mentioned it there, a design model we have at our design for macro design is brilliantly simple design. And that is very important for a, especially a startup for their first product to not go too feature crazy, to not go too deep into the details or try and push the boundaries of all these technologies too far. Stick to your core one or two amazing features mm. that you've done and do those really well and plan to iterate down the road. You're going to go to market with that. That's going to be your launch product. Make sure it's, of course, of a good quality. That's why as well, you want to shrink the amount of features so you can spend more money ensuring that the quality of the features that you are putting to market are top notch and then be expected to get feedback from your customers and your prospective mm -hmm. customers. Your customers that bought it are going to tell you things about it that you didn't really think about or didn't understand fully. And then the customers who didn't buy, those are your prospective customers are also going to tell you some things. And that is where your opportunity is going to come to think about iterating and Apple's doing it every year. They come out with a new iPhone. If the biggest product company in the world with the biggest budgets is iterating, then a hardware startup should think about iteration too, knowing mm -hmm. that you can't perfect it on your first version, but you want to yeah. come out with a great quality product because hardware you can't do a bug fix for. There's, there's no patch for hardware. So you really want to make sure your reviews are solid on your first launch. So keep it mm -hmm. simple. And the other thing that I wanted to highlight that you mentioned that I think is very powerful to any product startup, and it's a little on the fluffier side, but we've seen it work time and time again. It's the owner's or the inventor's passion for their product. And you mentioned mm -hmm. that in Steve Jobs and Johnny Ives, these folks that you worked for, you saw how dedicated they were, how much they believed in the product that they're building. If you're a small inventor, you can have the exact same passion that they did. You can have the belief in your product. And most, from what I see, especially at our design firm, when you finally come up with that brilliant idea, you know, that once in a lifetime um, light bulb that goes off and you've actually seen something that can solve a real pain point in, in some piece of the world and some part of humanity, you generally become very passionate about it fairly quickly. But that passion is what really pushes it forward. And that's what gets you over those hurdles. And I think that's what, a lot of what drove that culture at Apple to overcome mm -hmm. obstacles as opposed to dwell on them because everybody was following the shining star that they all believed in unanimously as a team together. Now let's carry this forward. I think it's a good segue into what you're doing now, um, working kind of on the opposite side where you're, you're taking technologies and figuring out how to innovate. And that's very akin to what people are doing with their invention ideas. They've come up with some idea. Now mm. they're trying to figure out how to actually execute on that to create value, to make a product. Yeah. What is the process? And you kind of highlighted it at a high level. Let's go into the mm. details of the process that you're using at Intel through your accelerator to vet the, the quality, not only of the product, but of the market success of that product. Because you're doing both things at the same time, which is absolutely what every inventor should be thinking about on their product too. It's not just about the idea mm. that you've come up with. The passion also needs to be in how are you going to create a business or how are you going to monetize that? Or how is an eventual acquirer of your product going to monetize your product down the road? Because that's where the value is. Yeah. So so what we do, you know, uh, we run like uh, a startup accelerator, like, you know, like let's say Y Combinator or, you know, like, you know, uh, 500 startups. And so we build, we, we do two cohorts uh, in a year and each cohort will have like, you know, five to six uh projects. And to get into this uh, cohort, we have like a shark tank kind of a thing, you know, where the the, the internal uh, uh, teams, employees would come with ideas. And in some cases, even external startups, uh, if they have a very aligned 
um, kind of a, a strategy or a vision. Um, and uh, so in that, so we also have a bootcamp actually before uh, uh, the teams pitch the idea at the selection day where we work on their, uh, we work to turn their business case into a very crisp, you know, five minute pitch. And so they would like, you know, 10 to 20 teams will come and pitch uh, in front of a jury and we'll pick five. And then they get into our accelerator, which is a, a four month program. And we have eight sprints and these are, we call them business sprints. And the very first sprint will start with a business model canvas. So every project has to put their idea in a very you know typical like strategizers, a business model canvas where, you know, where you look at, you know, what are your value proposition? Uh, who are, what is your customer segment? What is the value proposition for each of the segment? Uh, then, you know, what are your uh, cost structures? You know, what are your, how, what are your channels? Uh, all this stuff, you know, and, and we look at that uh, business model canvas every, every week. And maybe the second sprint is looking at your biggest assumptions uh, on that canvas. If they were false, your business falls apart. Then we design a plan called validation plan where we figure out how we are going to uh, verify, validate or invalidate those assumptions. And uh, then we do something called uh, a market research hackathon where we uh, get kick the guys out of the building. We say, get out of the building uh, and go talk to the customers, come back uh, uh, with the real life data and so on. You know, And uh, we do financial modeling, uh, uh, a business case, and finally your business pitch with which, which we then bring back to the to the management of China to see, to ask for bigger round of funding. So it's like getting a VC funding, like, you know, uh, and during our accelerator, we also give them seed money, you know, just like how uh, Y Combinator would give 50K, 100K. And then they go and raise like millions, million dollar, $2 million, $5 million to uh, go big with the idea once they have validated the, the business case and, and can show it, right? Um, and we run this, outside of Intel, actually, by design, because we want these guys to feel like they are entrepreneurs. We call them CEOs, CTOs, CMOs, and um, uh, uh, and we have the, the mentor network. And we also have this very cool thing called uh, experts in residence, which are who are entrepreneurs, who build businesses, who will every week uh, spend one hour one-on-one -on -one with each team to challenge what they're doing and to point them in the right direction. So uh, that's the process we follow. And at the end of this uh, four months, uh, maybe out of like, you know, in a year out of 10, maybe we get two or three that go on to uh, actually go and create an adjacent product for us, which, you know, drives like millions of dollars of revenues. Yeah. That's a really amazing program to have internally within Intel. Uh, very cool. Let's talk about those who, who essentially uh, win the prize, those who get the funding mm. to go on. Mm. What differentiated those folks from the ones that didn't? What really makes mm. the winners win in terms of, because this yeah. is a very in-depth model that you look at, very professionally mm. done and laid out. I think a lot of hardware startups listening can think about this and apply it to their own inventions and their own ideas. Mm. As to yeah. you know, how how do you how would you pitch mm. if you were to get five minutes as a hardware startup or even mm. as a if you're an established company listening and you're developing your next product, how would you be mm. pitching this and winning on all of the pillars that Capil would be looking for on those uh, on all of those um, eight sprints that you that you do in the mm. boot camp? 
So yeah. what are the things that lead to the winners? Uh, so, yeah. So I think, well, few, you know, uh, definitely your that five minute business pitch, right? In that you need to show what is the pain point you're trying to solve or what's the opportunity? How big is the opportunity? Why you? You know, why are you the one to, you know, do this? Why is this the time? Okay, so if you are able to do, and and what is in it for Intel, for example, or for example, if it's an investor, what is in it for investor? That means what is the return or how fast your business is growing? Um, so that's one thing, you know. So in that, in all of that, what we see is how, uh, first of all, what has the team done so far? Are they just talking or actually they have built something, right? Uh, so that's something. Uh, that's the, the second thing. Even better is you you are not just talking, you built something and you also understand the market well, like how big this market could be, who has the pain point. Uh, and even better is that you have maybe done some pilot with a potential customer, or actually you got this uh, uh, request from, from, the, from the field or from the market to, to build this product, right? So it shows that need, it shows you are passionate. And one of the things, because it's an accelerator, we also see whether these guys are coachable or not. Because a lot of times we have brilliant techies come in very senior, uh, but they're just not coachable. So it doesn't end well for either us or the other guys. So they sometimes some people, they just want some money to build the pro- product, product, and that's where they focus. And in our accelerator, we don't talk about anything about technology, technical. We simply focus on the business and we believe in whatever they say about the the product they're building or whatever development they're doing. Um, yeah, so so that's it. You know, like, you know, uh, one of the, 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 the challenges is, I mean, talk is cheap. Ideas are dime a dozen. It's what you do with it. If you show people what you've done, what you've tried, even if it's a, it failed, I think that's what shows your passion, right? So in the end, your solution might be temporary, but uh, the passion you have to solve that problem, you know, if if that is long, then you can back that, entrepreneur because he'll find ways to solve the problem uh, there are guys who come in because they are in love with their solution even they don't find a problem to fix with their solution they still you know keep trying to move their solution forward and those are the kind of uh, things we try to avoid yeah kapil that's very powerful information and i think anybody listening to this should really think about that in terms of their own product and their own product business and utilize the tips that you've said today to try and make the best pitch forward when you're if if or when you're pitching for investors, whether it's in the early stages as you've got you know just a prototype or you're going to yeah your first to market with crowdfunding or whether you're scaling it and trying to get investment for growth. Uh, all these investors look for those very things. Coachability is one of the big ones that we hear about a lot, and is one of the quick fail points to somebody with a phenomenal business plan, a phenomenal product, but they fail on getting the investing because they were deemed as uncoachable. And that's something really you have to self-reflect on and and think honestly with yourself and get real feedback and listen to that feedback. More important than anything else is, do you have the ability to work with some of these seasoned experts? Because generally when you're pitching, you're pitching to somebody who's been there, done that. And they want to know that you have the ability to understand and learn the best from them to apply it to your business model. And that's so powerful when it comes to any investment level, whether it's your first angel round at 50 grand or whether it's a you know, series A at multi-millions. 
it's important to remember that coachability element. Capilla, look, thanks so much for all your tips today. I appreciate you joining us on the show and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to talking soon. Uh, absolutely. You're welcome. And it was uh, nice to talk with you and you know share this with your listeners. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.